All righty. Welcome, everyone, to episode 90 of the Racing Line podcast. I'm joined by my friend and yours, Joseph, to review the recent Italian Grand Prix at Monza. Joey, mate, how are you? Good, mate. How are you, buddy? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Um, another cracking Italian Grand Prix. It just seems to serve up awesome races every year. Um, what were your first cool. reactions? Temple of Temple of Speed. Temple of Speed. Temple of Speed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I th- I thought uh, straight off the offset. I thought it was a quite entertaining weekend. I wouldn't say it lived up to the Xanthorpe drama, but um, there's a lot of sort of different nuances to this weekend that I really enjoyed. Um, I think qualifying was fantastic especially the um the last couple of minutes of Q3 where there was one stage where Leclerc, uh, Verstappen and also Sainz were all, I think they all had a purple sector on their lap time mm. um, and ended up, you know, being super fine margins. Um, it's always good to see a Ferrari and pole at Monza. I think, we've, I think we might have gone to the two most passionate races back-to-back mm. Um and, you know, as much as we were saying last week, Ferrari is a team that just gets in their own way. It was nice this weekend to see them put together a good weekend for their fans. Um, and I think all in all, the, the competitiveness they showed this weekend was, you know, something that we probably would have liked to see a bit more, a bit more of this year. But, you know, when at least it shows up, you've got to respect it. Yeah, when when looking on paper on this track, you look at the layout. It doesn't look like it's going to serve up good racing, but every single year it gives us epic racing. And one thing that I took away was the DRS effect wasn't that big this week. It was we were able to see cars, even the Red Bulls, using the DRS to get up behind, but then people defending, overtakes weren't happening, people going like outbreaking themselves, having to go through the the escape road, like I haven't seen that for years. What did you think? Yeah. Um, I, I, I was, I was going to have a look at this because I wasn't sure. I wanted to know if they'd actually moved the DRS um, activation point a bit later down the straight. So I, I know I, I was subconsciously thinking about it. Like they're not mm. able to pull off the moves um, as early as possible which ended up being fantastic because you had cars side by side going into that first corner. I suppose that's what that runoff there is for. Um, and it was, you know, it wasn't just, you know, between the top teams. It was all throughout the grid. The McLarens doing the same thing. The Red, um, the Mercedes were doing the same thing. Um, and there was multiple battles, especially around that first corner where it got really dicey and you saw the team sort of, um, you sort of the same tactic uh, used mm. by multiple drivers. Um, which was sort of holding that racing line, but very bravely not leaving an inch of space for that car that was on the outside. Uh, and I loved it. Like, I, I think my biggest takeaway from this weekend was the fact that we saw so many drivers sort of getting a bit nasty, a bit creative if they're defending, mm-hmm. um, really taking it to the edge of, you know, what is racing and, you know, or what is like gentlemanly racing and what is sort of, um, you know, by the letter of the law. Uh, I, th- I think this week in particular showed sort of what um, Carlos Sainz can do uh, in terms of when he's in front to keep Verstappen behind him for whatever it was, 15 laps I thought was 
mm. you know, a, a pretty, it might not seem like much, but I thought it was a pretty strong achievement. Uh, just the way he was, you know, making that car wide. Mm. Uh, and, you know, it might've given me some, not hope, like not a, like a, maybe some fool's hope that something could happen and we could see a different winner this year, but alas, it was not to be. And, you know, Max mm. has set another record. Red Bull looked, I would say they probably, they looked comfortable, but it, it wasn't comfortable at the start of the race. And Checo came second, but his race was, far from comfortable. Um, but all in all, I think for them that I think now they've doubled Mercedes, uh, teams tally, um, as a team in the constructors championship now, uh, which is, um, which is wild. Um, and you know, they've, they've gone from strength to strength. Yeah. Um, I did. I was hoping that Carlos would be able to stay ahead and I thought maybe Max might burn his tires out trying to follow so closely, but wasn't to be, but I was talking with Anthony today about the, the whole Who's that? The race this morning. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he used to be on this podcast, um, but uh, we were talking about Sergio and, and, and Max and the difference in quality. And if Max wasn't in that car, we'd be having such a good season right now because Sergio would not be winning every single race. Like there's no way. Um, and we alluded to the fact that I think Zach Brown came out two weeks ago and someone asked him, do you think you can be challenging for, for wins in the near future? And he said, we'd be doing it now if it wasn't for, if Red Bull had two Sergios in the car. Um, so I just think Max is on another level, but yeah. I don't, I think it might even be, it might even be the fact that, you know, this version of Max, maybe a couple of years ago, he wouldn't have been ready mm. for this stage or just have the composure that a lot of the um, sort of things that he's been put up against this year would require. But um, this Max, I think probably with the Hedini of the, winning the championship off his back, mm. you know, this is a, 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 a supremely confident Max, which is probably where the difference comes from. Yeah. But I... I did want to talk about, I've been pretty critical of um, Carlos lately, yeah. not lately, but he's starting to find some form, but he is, if you look at the championship, he's got more points than Leclerc. He seems to be more consistent this year. And I think we've spoken about it before where if Charles doesn't feel like he's got the car underneath him, he makes silly mistakes and, he, and he's not as consistent. Do you think Ferrari are looking at this now going, are we throwing all our eggs into the wrong basket now? Is is Charles the one to take us forward to win a championship or should we be looking maybe at Carlos and favoring him a little bit? Um, I think I think if you remember what I said about Alpine last week, it's a very similar situation where as a team, when I'm looking at the driver's point spread, it's it's um it's very close. Um I feel like both drivers have had uh, really strong moments, but also, you know, moments where they probably want to take him back. And also as a team for like Ferrari, the last thing I want to be doing now is um, sort of putting the onus on my drivers to make up the difference that the car doesn't have. Mm. Uh, when I look at 
Ferrari, I look at the okay, when I look at the drivers that Ferrari have, I think we saw it today when they actually got in front of the Red Bulls. They were really hard for the Red Bulls to overtake. Uh, they showed mm. sort of the tenacity and and really sort of, you know, uh, dog spirit that you need to sort of win a championship. I think both of them have it. And I think both of them are fantastic. So if I'm Ferrari, you're not in a position to challenge for a championship. You know, we understand, we understand that when the opportunity arises, I think they'll be very much like what Mercedes did uh, and let both their drivers race. And I also think if you think about it, today would have been a perfect example to um, sort of pull out team orders and let, uh, Charles overtake Carlos, but they didn't. They said, you you know, race, don't be stupid and race, um, which really I think highlights the fact that whatever people may think about uh, Charles being the number one driver in that team, they're, you know, they're, it's a it's a very uh, even keel that they're sharing between the two drivers. Yeah, and, and Carlos uh, I, seems I, to be really, yeah. I think... One thing about Carlos is he might not have the outright pace of Charles, which is debatable, but I also think that when the car is not to his liking, he something or he more often than not can make more out of it than what mm. um, Charles can do, and that's yeah, just fun. Kind of, yeah, you know, when when the when we have when we see so many times Charles losing it, you know we've seen it even what last week at. Zian thought in qualifying when the car is not there, he's he's he takes it so far to the edge that he quite often, you know, causes a causes a crash. Yeah, and uh, we've heard the rumors about Carlos and Audi from twenty twenty five or whatever it is. And looking at how happy he was this weekend driving for Ferrari at Monza and getting pole position, it made me think. Is this a contract ploy from him to get more money or more time out of Ferrari? Because the amount of passion that he puts forward driving for Ferrari, I feel like he doesn't want to go anywhere. And can you see him leaving, or do you think it is like a ploy to get more more time? No, out I, of I, I, I can't. I, I would be. I would be very surprised. Like especially now this week that we've seen um, Russell and Hamilton both signed up to Mercedes for the next couple of years. Mm. Um, I would. I would say for Ferrari's side, or there isn't, there is even less seats available in the future than what there is, you know, what there was before. Mm. And there wasn't many before. Um, I think uh, Carlos has been stung by changing teams in the past as well. We has to keep learning a new car, keep learning a new philosophy. Mm. You know, this Ferrari, this Ferrari car needs work, but who's to say that Audi's going to come in and, mm-hmm. you know, you know, be where Ferrari is. That would be so naive. And who are we kidding? Ferrari have got some of the, you know, deepest purses in Formula One. I'm sure that they can, you know, pay him handsomely for what he's doing. And I think they will. Um, So, yeah, I I think, I think sooner rather than later, we'll see him staying there. And I think for Ferrari as well, like I said, the same thing about Alpine, when you've got two drivers who are performing so closely, they can verify the data. Whereas when you look at a team like Red Bull, whatever Checo says, I'm sure he's going in the in one ear mm. and out the other because that car is totally built for Max. Uh, whereas Ferrari can can probably build a very, um, well, hopefully, 
a very all-round good performing car that can be verified by two drivers. Speaking of um, Red Bull, uh, Liam Lawson again had a pretty good weekend. weekend. Yep. Now, if you're if you're Red Bull, and you've got Sergio Perez, Liam Lawson, Yuki Tsunoda, Daniel Ricciardo, I think Sergio's gone. To be honest, I I can't see them the way Helmet's talking now about Sergio keeping him next year. Do you see Daniel moving up and then a team of Yuki and Liam next year, or do you see Daniel staying at AlphaTauri? Like, what 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 do you foresee in the next year with their four drivers? I can't see. Well, I can't see Yuki moving up. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say it'd be irresponsible to put Liam Lawson up. I haven't like he's been good, but I haven't seen anything that is earth like that's been like put him in there now. And we've seen uh, what of. what that's done to Albon and that like it's taken him a yeah, few years to get back. Done it to Albon, done it to Kvyat, done it to Gasly. Um, Gasly, you know, it's 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 not a good spot to be. Um, if what you say comes to pass and Sergio isn't there next year, I would say it, it would be uh, Danny Rick next year. We know that next year's the end, the end of his contract with Red Bull anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, sit that seat. You know, if the car is still this good, I'm sure Danny Rick will be getting you those seconds that you know you need. Uh, and then you have another year to evaluate Sonoda and uh, Lawson, and you have an, another you know young couple guys coming through the back as well that you can choose to move one up, get rid of one. You know, you have just a little bit more time to work out what the future holds. Um, Do you see be. them pulling the plug on Perez? I think I've said it before. I think it's all in his hands. Mm. He needs to, he needs to come second every race. And it's, it's, it's a catch 22 for him. Cause if he comes second every race, we go, well, the car should is, be doing that's it. what, that's what, that's what you should be doing. And if he doesn't, then we go, why didn't you come second every race? So we're only going <laughs> to, we're only going to highlight the negatives. Um, but if let's say he has a, um, he from from now to the end of the season, he can stitch together the since the consistency we've been asking for. I mm-hmm. could see him staying there next year to um to finish out his contract. I could see him being dropped next year if the problems arise again. But mm-hmm. um, like I think the ball is firmly in his court, firmly in his court because he out of all of those is also the one that has the least sort of emotional investment in that team. He's not, he's yeah. not a Red Bull junior driver. So I'm pretty sure the team could drop him pretty mm. easy, like pretty easily. But I, I, my other question was with Lawson doing so well, we know they want Danny Rick somewhere within the Red Bull family. <laughs> Is Yuki the odd one out now? Because Daniel's come in, out qualified him in the first week. Liam Lawson's come in. He's driven a formula one car once before or whatever it was and it was an old spec car and he's come in and he's a position or two behind him in quality on his second weekend like does that not say Lawson's got a higher ceiling I would I would say I would say Lawson is more is more ready for Formula 1 than Yuki was when he entered Um, the, the thing for Yuki as well is that 
Honda is no longer, you know, mm-hmm. a major part of the Red Bull team. And we know that Yuki was brought in to strengthen that sort of Japanese Honda side of the relationship. The I think the biggest the biggest problem that Yuki has always had, and it's not it's not a, a thing that he's developed now, it's a consistent thing he's had from this is his third year now, I think now, isn't it? He has uh, always had Yeah. Yeah, it's his third year at least. He has always had uh, the ability to you know, find chaos from a very good position, whether it be penalties, mm-hmm. whether it be uh, crashing the car. Um, I, I, I've never seen him ta- take like a consistent next step where you go, you know, he's, he or not he's arrived, but he has taken that next step up. Mm-hmm. Sort of very similar to the problems that Mike Schumacher got, I think, removed from Haas for. I would say Yuki's in that, 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 that same situation. They have great moments. But mm. instead of building on that great moment, they'll put it in the wall the next week. And I think this weekend also he was quite unlucky. But the fact yeah, that he 100%. got out qualified, he got out qualified by Liam. You you, you know you never you, know, you get out qualified and then you don't have the opportunity to outrace him. Then you know so yeah. it's another sort of catch twenty two. But yeah, I, I would I would my if we were speculating, I would say. Danny Rick stays in Alpha Tauri at the start of next year. Sergio's in the other team and Liam takes the second spot in Alpha Tauri. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll that see that be, happening as well. That would be, that I think would be more, uh, really, more possible or plausible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Um, talking about drivers and position and lineups next year, Aston Martin. Well, they're fighting one hand behind their back, mate. They've come out and said that. Well, it was literally this week. Crack, Mike, Mike Crack yeah, Mike came Crack. out and said, um, "Greatest name in the paddock." Came out and said that uh, Stroll was going to be there next year. Um, and I was like, "Okay." I just and then the, the weekend he put together was uh, the exact opposite of what you need. He, I, I know that his dad owns the team, but there's a board of directors. On a, on a company that big, surely there are some questions being asked because the way Fernando, I think they got 200 and something points. Fernando has won 170 or 180 of those points alone. The spread, the spread between the performances between them two drivers has to be the, the steepest spread of the, of um, any drivers in like any um, team, like uh, what are they called? Teammates on the grid. Has to be. Yeah. It, it 100% be. is. Um, looking and now, Fernando's got 170 points. Yeah. Uh, and he's third in the championship. And Stroll is ninth in the championship with 47 points. Like, wow. That is crazy. And it's and I and I think the the worst part is that the um the start of the season favoured that car very well and he got most mm. of his points at the start of the year. Whereas I think now he's adding dribs and drabs. I don't think he's scored points for the last two or three rounds. Um qualified nineteenth or something, didn't he? Yeah, he qualified. He was his qualifying was terrible. The the Aston the Aston Martin didn't look great this weekend, I've got to say. But um Yeah, but Nando still got in Q three, like Yeah, that's true. But that that the car was good enough for at least, um, you know, bottom 10 points mm-hmm. uh, or even 
even middle 10 points with a decent uh, pit strategy. So I don't know. The thing is you can never, you can never guess what a team like that is going to do because you know that all the, all the, all that decision is an emotional decision, not a hmm. data driven decision. So it's, it's just, well, daddy, daddy owns the team. What do you do? Like there's so many drivers on the sidelines that could come in and take that position. Like at least give him, you, give him a chance. Yeah. Like there's, it's, it wasn't Dragovich in the car this weekend. Yeah, and apparently, like, yeah. give him a go. Like, he's he's been around for years. But anyway, um, I just wanted to draw attention to the fact that Stroll qualified last while Fernando was in Q3, which, you know, I don't understand if Stroll was in Q2 and qualified 12th or 13th and Fernando was 9th or 8th, fair enough, but it's too big a, too big a distance. Yeah, it's... it's, it's, it's um... When you look at the drivers on the grid, the the um, usually you can see that that the, the problems that they're driving with the certain cars are manifested in both cars. But it looks mm. like um, the Aston has got two different cars, and one's you know uh, a, a top ten kind of car, and one of them is most of the time <laughs> a Haas. Uh, so yeah. it's, a very, it's a very weird dynamic. What do you think of the boys in papaya this weekend? This is this was a, I have an interesting take on 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 the boys in papaya. Well, for me, so twenty twenty one was when Danny Rick won in Monza. They had the one two. Yep. That car that car had some serious straight line speed, and that's how they were able to take that win. Since then, they've gone into a different design philosophy, where their car is quicker at different circuits. They wanted to kind of balance it out. So I was never expecting big things from McLaren this weekend. I think in Singapore, they're in with a shot um, for a really good result. But I was never expecting, um, you know, podiums here. But I do think their drivers, you know, you've got George and Lewis. You could probably say Carlos and Charles. They're probably the third best driver pairing on the grid at the moment. They are Oscar made a couple of mistakes. He had the incident you're, with so Lewis. You're saying that Max and Checo is not in the top three best driver pairings. I think the distance between the two is too big. Yeah, but Max is showing us that he he's he's he can carry the dis the difference. You're just saying like yeah, as, just, a, uh, as as a pairing. pairing is, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. as a pairing, not 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 individuals or anything, but as a pairing, like they're consistently close to each other. They're only within a tenth or two in quality. Like it's just constantly um, as a team, they're probably the third best on the grid at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wasn't expecting big things, but you know, for if it wasn't for that little incident between, or well, not little, that incident with Lewis, they were both probably scoring points in this race, which is what you can ask for, especially when the teams around them, like Alpine, are finishing in the bottom half or not even finishing. So that's yeah. Obviously, My- recent. <laughs> Recently, we've expected more from McLaren, but I wasn't expecting it at this particular circuit. My biggest qualm with McLaren this weekend, and it's it's a something we mentioned last week about um, them not splitting their strategy with their drivers, mm-hmm. and then um, sort of the drivers fall into the same sort of positions on, uh, you know, once they filter out of the pits. Um, there was a moment when Albon was behind them. And you know it's known that the the undercut at 
Monza is is quite a severe advantage. And also Mm. as a team, they knew that they have one of the slowest cars down the straight, which Mm -hmm. is one of the easiest places to overtake on the track. Uh, So when Albon uh, sort of undercut them, I thought, oh, they'll at least bring one of them in, you know, to try and um, put him on the same strategy, uh, Mm. maybe keep, you know, hold position. And then, and which they didn't. And then they both come out of the pits and. On top uh, of each other. They're on top of each other. Uh, they were, all, I, th- I think as well, before the, when Alan was pitting, Norris was having, a, was, was telling the team, let me past uh, Oscar mm. because I'm quicker. And I think that was the thing that they were worried about at that given time. And they missed, you know, the Williams undercut. And they could never, and, and for the rest of the race, they couldn't overtake him because the one part where the Williams is strong, that is their, you know, biggest weakness. Um, mm. I just thought there was, you know, for a team that we've been saying has really been moving up the pecking order over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I know that they got some points and we weren't expecting much, but also as, you know, a team like McLaren, uh there was definitely still more points than what they got on the table. And if they had been able to get past Albon through, you know, uh, staying on the same strategy and holding position, I would have liked to see what they could have done against them. The, uh, mm. the two Mercedes drivers, but they never gave themselves that. Well, they never gave themselves that chance, especially yeah. the fact that the Mercedes, the, the, the both Mercedes drivers got a five second penalty. I think I was a little annoyed again. Oscar was in front and they pit, pitted Lando first, knowing the overcut or the undercut was so big. Yeah. And it just constantly seems like they're favoring Lando. Um, yeah. The, the first couple of times, you know, you, you kind of get it. But the fact that Oscar's been so close and he's been ahead of him, he out-qualified him this weekend, you'd think that they, he'd get the preferential strategy. But again, they undercut him with Lando and and that's the bit that's frustrating it's like you're favoring one guy all the time um and then their little squ- probably- their squabble didn't help either no like not like like not it didn't help a, a team that a car that doesn't have the best outright pace you've got to do it mm. all in strategy it's got decent pace mm. um but to sort of hamper each other and then not split the strategy when the opportunity sort of arose for you to hold position. Mm. It's just like, that is a really, I just thought in hindsight and everything is in hindsight, but I think they're still putting the markers that you can make those decisions. I just thought it was points that sort of went begging. Um, and I, trust me, I'm, I'm over the moon that Albon was able to hold position and keep and, and stay seventh. And that's the second best result of the year. And, the second best result of the last five years for for Williams, probably the last decade. What am I saying? Five <laughs> years, decade. Um, so I just so I'm I'm not I'm not disappointed about the result for Williams. I just thought McLaren as a team. We said it last week. Um, they're making steps in terms of the progress of the car. They've got a really young, you know, strong driver lineup. It's mm. probably also time that they need to start looking at these strategy decisions that they're making you know one you know last week was a freak race week but still you know there's opportunities to make better calls and then to follow it up with another one that i thought wasn't it wasn't a 
it wasn't a great race strategy call for either cars. It was very undecisive. And I just thought, well, mm-hmm. if you do want to progress to the next level, you know, you got to clean that, you got to clean that up. I'm, I'm kind of, um, I'm sick of Lando kind of being whingy on the radio too. Did you, have you noticed that lately? Like when he's, but he's always been whingy on the radio. Yeah. But I, I don't know. Maybe it's annoying me more now that maybe I'm getting older and I'm like, just shut up mate and drive. Like, but Len, I think, I think people don't, I think this goes all the way back to when Lando didn't pit for wets in mm. Russia. Like the, the idea that there's no one in that team that, um, can tell him what to do without him whinging or yeah, like uh, not even tell him what to do, but it's, it seems like there's no one in that team that, uh, is a strong enough personality personality mm. that, you know, who, who can see all the data in front of him and just say, Hey, settle down, drive, mm. you know, like we, we've got your best intentions in mind. Um, he has been there for a long time and he's, he's probably, they've pinned a lot of their future hopes on him. You know, if that massive contract as well, so they probably don't want to upset him, but I think, I think it is time for a lot of these teams, not just McLaren. I think the same problem can be seen at uh, Ferrari sometimes with the way that mm. the, um, they can get a bit chirpy. I think uh, Mercedes do a really good job at it. I think Red Bull do a fantastic job of it, even with Verstappen when he starts sort of uh, chirping up on the radio when they go. So when they sort of say, we're looking at it head down, you know, uh, I think. That, that was going to be my thing. Like G, GP with Max just essentially tells him to shut up and drive like yeah, in his own way. You can, you can tell that there is a, you know, we're going with, we're all doing like we're going to work on Sunday. We're mm. at work. You drive the car. I'm a strategist. It's my job to call a strategy. Trust yeah. that we have the best interest, the best you know, team interest in mind. Um, you know, let's get it done. You can't see what I can see. You can't like you can't see the weather on turn yeah. three in other <laughs> race. You know, all these things that drivers can't see. Uh, you can't see who's pitted behind you, but he's catching you five seconds a lap. You know, just. Hmm. trust our instincts, trust our judgment calls. Um, it is a team sport, you know, after all. Well, moving on. Growing, to- it's, it's growing, it's growing pains. Though. It's growing pains from a team that has been in the doldrums for a long time and they're trying to hmm. get all their ducks in a row. Yeah. I just think they need, need someone with a bit of authority to tell him, listen, we call the shots, but uh, moving on to uh, the blue bullet, mate, I'm calling it the blue bullet. Mate, that thing in a straight line, it's going to struggle in the, in the next race. But what's the next tra- race? Singapore. Yeah. Well, um, well, <laughs> I would have said that, but it was supposed to struggle at Xanthor and it looked great at Xanthor. So a little different, anymore. but it, and mate, it, it could, it could come good. You don't know, but yeah, it's built for this track. Mate, with, with the 20 something points that Albon has, accru- I think 21 points that Albon has accrued this year. As a team, bar some now, bar some miracle where a Haas or AlphaTauri wins a, or a Sauber wins a race, I think Williams has locked themselves in for that seventh spot in the in the constructors' championship, which for me is like such a hallelujah moment. Um, what a climb! Like it feels it feels so fantastic. Um, 
and it's still just seventh. But um, yeah, but you when you've been coming tenth for the last five years, tenth, 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 ninth when uh, Mazepin was at Haas, tenth again. <laughs> um, yeah, so. I have I, I've got no real expectations for the end of the year, but it will be interesting now seeing them go to tracks that we don't expect them to do well at. Like there is there is definitely things that uh, as a team I'm sure they're working on. We saw like that the the tire preservation this weekend was a bit of an issue, which I was also surprised about because uh Albon has been able to look after his softs consistently, like really well for the last two years he's been with Williams, uh, wasn't able to do that as well with the Hans. I know it was really hot as well, but the blue bullet, like what they say, if they can keep working on or keep, they can keep the uh, strengths of the car while they bring updates but not are not going to hamper those strengths, um, it's fantastic seeing them, you know, consistently in the 10 now. Like he's consistently, he's been in the top, in the Q3 of qualifying, I'd say for at least five races, if not more. Um, it looks a bit odd, but the more teams that are involved in, you know, that top 10 scrap, the better it is for a sport. The strength of the sport is um, obviously helped by that as well. And, dude, I, I, I'm rejuvenated watching races knowing that I'm, you know, purposely looking for my driver to be scoring points, even if it doesn't happen. Like it's still, it still feels like it's with a shot, not a yeah. He's just in a fighter's chance. And I think also this weekend he said something very interesting. He said, "As long as as long as I can see the see substantial growth by the team, and I can be part of that growth, I'll stay here. But if I feel like." That growth, well, that growth is stopped, or that growth is um, there's no hope. It, after a certain point, I would have to look elsewhere. So I think that's a good um, motivation for Williams to say, "Hey, if you want to keep me, um, you, you're doing the right things now." But you know, there is obviously ground to make up, and I, I think Williams really should be looking at keeping him because. He has turned their like he has turned their fortunes around more than George Russell did, which is a crazy thing to say, but it's not even close. Um, mm. um, I think the good thing with Albon and the fact that James Vowles is there now, that team the trajectory is only only up because James Vowles uh, for me is probably one of the the best up and coming sort of team principals in the in in the um out of all the teams so. I can only see Williams moving upwards, mate. It seems like he has come in and the one thing that he has uh, brought is a clear sort of path of how he wants to get stuff done. Like he's, it seems like what he's wanted to do is structure, uh, you know, set a real structure in the team itself, implement, you know, good practices, um, but just add a professionalism to the team that it never had. Um, mm. and probably just making it a little bit more of, you know, a professional organisation, getting rid of that, the family feel that had been there for such a long time. And I'm not saying mm. the family feel doesn't need to be there, but like they said, the same thing of the way that the equipment that the team was using, um, 
it's so outdated. I'm, I'm guessing that the practices that the team were also using what would, would be just as outdated, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 there's something so good about seeing teams like McLaren and Williams kind of competing again within the top 10. Yeah. Um, they're always going to be. It's also a good, um, like a, it's also a good model for teams or for all the teams that are at the bottom, like Haas, Alpha Tauri, um, else? Well, they're the teams that they're, they're really sad, but the teams that they're racing against, it, it takes a, it does take a couple of years, mm. but you like it's possible to, you know, make slow incremental progress, and if you make the right decisions, and, and we saw we saw it from McLaren this year as well, you can, you know, make some serious success. Um, you know, and it, it all comes down to sort of hard work and, um, you know, putting in the effort, putting the drivers in the best position possible. Um, and even for fans who haven't been following the sport for that long, like I had a funny, a really funny uh, moment on the golf course this week and I was wearing my Williams polo and some guy said, why are you wearing a Williams polo? <laughs> and I said, um, he goes, I didn't even know they would ha- have polos for that team. They're so bad. And I started <laughs> laughing and I said, how long have you been? I said, I said, do you like Formula 1? He goes, yeah. I goes, how, how long have you been watching it for? He goes, oh, we had two years. He goes, I watched the TV show on Netflix and then I started watching a few races. <laughs> and it really dawned on me. I was like, okay, if you've been only involved in the Drive to Survive era, Williams is such a joke. And I said, I've been following him since 1998. I said, believe it or not, they were world champions back then. And he was like, no way. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I said, they've got Do your research, buddy. Team. I was like, they've got some of the most wins in the championship. And he's like, no way. And I was like, yeah. Um, so yeah, hopefully, yeah, a bit of time, we might be able to eventually be somewhat back on that path. Yeah, I hope so. Same same with McLaren, but, you know, they seem to be a little bit further ahead in their development, but it's good yeah. to see them both. Good to see them both back within the top 10. Sergeant, does he uh, stay next year? Um. I don't see anyone linked with the seat. I'm just asking the question. I don't know. I would say I think he's going to stay. I don't think that I don't think they're in any rush to get rid of him. And I said at the start mm-hmm. of this year, I just want to see progress. And I have seen heaps of progress with him, mm-hmm. but he still has to clean up his game. Having said that, I think I said this last week as well. There was there's a distinct difference to the way that Sargent came into the championship and how a driver like Piastri came into the championship, mm-hmm. where Piastri was coming in very much in that mould of F2 champion, ready to go, could he, uh, cookie cutter sort of, um, you know, off the shelf, ready to roll. And mm-hmm. Logan Sargent was coming in more as a, um, a project. Needed to be given mm-hmm. a little bit more time, undercooked in F2, but he has gotten significantly closer to Albon in qualifying and in race pace, and also his race performances. I think he he was he was coming eleventh in the race yesterday until he had a incident with Botas and he got a. I think he lost positions and also got a pen from the incident and then got a penalty which <laughs> ruined his race, but he's. He's definitely uh, much further up the grid than even like what Latifi was last year. And Latifi was three mm. years deep into that seat. So I'm happy to give him one more year unless, unless 
there is a caveat to that. Mm-hmm. Someone like Danny Rick wanted uh, was able to take that seat. If we were able, if we were able to get someone like that in the seat, um, and by that I mean like a certified race winner, super proven driver, which it, only Danny Rick is probably the only one who really is in that spot at the moment. Uh, or maybe, maybe if what you say is true and Sergio Perez was to go on the market, someone like that, I would say move aside for a year Logie bear. Um, but other than that, I don't see any reason to move him. Like, what do you think about his, his, his recent performances? Yeah, look, I think, uh, with Logan, you can definitely see an increase in consistency. You can see an increase in speed. He's getting closer to Alex. But I don't think that team moving forward is going to challenge for podiums with Logan Sargent, but I think they will keep him for another year at least to see what kind of performance they can eke out of him. But uh, yeah, look, they're in a better position than they have been for the last, you know, since probably 2015, 2014. So upwards and onwards for Williams. Um, I think we'll leave it there, listener. Um, Joey, mate, thanks for jumping on tonight for our review of the Italian Grand Prix. We'll be back in a couple of weeks for the Singapore Grand Prix review and hopefully we have a new winner. Keep liking, subscribing, doing all that stuff. You know, we're really enjoying all the interactions with everyone. Um, Keep supporting the pod and we really do thank you all for that. Thank you.